Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation, Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I want to thank you for taking time to be with us today as we provide useful information and, in- and insights to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get more, better broadband everywhere it needs to be in the U.S. For all our long-term listeners, you folks probably know that I do an annual uh, survey of economic development professionals to gauge their impact or their feelings about the impact of broadband on economic development. And so this year, we're changing things up a little bit. Um, I have uh, conducted a survey in partnership with Broadband Community Magazine to look at some of the same kinds of questions, but uh, to get feedback from government officials, service providers, consultants in the business, uh, basically other folks who are involved in broadband in a very direct way to see what some of their uh, their, their take is on this. Uh, some of the results have been fairly interesting. Uh, they are consistent for the most part, but we also asked some new questions to get uh, feedback on broadband policy and, and how some of these folks feel that uh, some of the national broadband policies out of D.C. Uh, has an impact or maybe doesn't have an impact on broadband and economic development. Uh, today, joining me on the show to talk about the survey results and what all these numbers mean is the editor of Broadband Communities Magazine, uh, Masha Zager. Masha, welcome to the show. Thanks, Craig. It's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. I actually should say welcome back because you were actually on this show uh, a few a weeks ago when we were talking ago, yes. about uh, Chairman Janikowski's uh, Gigabit Challenge. And uh, that was a very good show. It's, it's, it's in the archives, so if folks want to catch up with that, you can. Um, let's talk about the uh, the, the, the survey. Cause I'm very uh, thankful for um, the magazine working with me on this and, and helping to gather this feedback from a different audience, though same topic, obviously. And, um, you know, it's, it's been very useful. But let's start with, you know, what's your take? You've read uh, my uh, preliminary report, and the full report will go live uh, later today, shortly after the show. Um, but what's your take on overall what people are saying about broadband's impact on economic development? Uh, overall, it's uh, it's not surprising, it, and it seems, uh, for the most part, fairly consistent with what you were hearing from economic development uh, professionals. Um, the speed of broadband and the reliability of broadband actually seem to make a, a difference, mm-hmm. um, and uh, wired broadband seems more likely than wireless to have an impact. And uh, it seems as if the, there's a general awareness that uh, broadband ought to be used as an economic development tool and uh, can be successful in that regard. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, so we're going to start um, a little bit far afield and, and, and drill down into uh, economic development specifically. One of the questions that I did ask early on uh, in the survey has to do with uh, do people feel there's enough competition in in broadband? And this is key for a lot of folks who are strong um, advocates of broadband because their contention is that until and unless there is greater competition, we're going to not have the kinds of broadband services and speeds that will actually impact economic development. What's your thought on that before I give a little little overview of what our survey uh, pulled up? Uh, I think it's fair to say that there is not as much competition uh, as as we would like to see, um, which is not to say that there isn't any. And it's it's important to uh, understand that the whole competitive landscape is very much in flux at this time. Mm -hmm. Um, There are... Overbuilders and, uh, e- and not just municipal networks and not just Google either. Um, a lot of small rural companies are expanding beyond their traditional territories to uh, serve areas that were unserved with bro- broadband. Um, and there are a lot of new competitive providers being formed 
sort of out of out of nowhere. Um, there's a new trend that you could call small-scale Google, which is business people, often um, often in the technology industry, who are tired of having insufficient broadband in places where they live and, and run their businesses and have uh, been investing their own money or partnering with localities um, to improve uh, broadband networks in, in their areas. And this is, uh, it may be, too small <laughs> to to be called a trend just yet, but I've seen several examples of it in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing to keep in mind is that um, there, there's also a trend of less competition in the sense that the, the sort of the first generation DSL networks that are not um, are, are providing less and less competition to cable. Those that haven't been uh, upgraded are rapidly becoming insufficient and are in some places in danger of essentially being abandoned as mm-hmm. far as uh, broadband infrastructure. Uh, and on the other hand, we have uh, 4G wireless networks coming in. So the the net effect, and when I say coming in, they've been coming in for the last year or two, but mostly they started in the areas that, or in the metropolitan areas that already had fairly good broadband, so we're only this year and next year will we see them inching out into the areas that have been less well served. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, you know, there again, it's too soon to say, but um, that may that may provide some additional level of competition. Mm-hmm. You know, we also had the first um, TV white spaces network. Um, Opened up recently, and wow. that again is a yeah. That again, that might be something you want to feature on your show. Uh, that again is a is a possibility for another another type of competition. So I would say this whole that all, while competition is much less robust in in most areas, in many areas than we would like it to be, it it is very much a a, a changing landscape at this point. Mm-hmm. So, do you agree with the assessment that the uh, the lack of competition, or the de- the high or a high degree of competition, one or the other, will have either a negative or a positive impact on economic development? Yes, I would say that um, because, if only for the very simple reason that uh, increase in competition uh, results in a, a decrease in prices. And people who have started competitive networks, both municipalities and private overbuilders, have noticed that they have forced down the prices of bandwidth in their communities. Um, and that's a great um, that's a great spur to uh, to it makes business certain types of businesses much more affordable. Mm-hmm. and encourages the businesses to stay in that location. Right. And for the, the record and for our audience, so there's basically about um, 15% of respondents feel that they live in a uh, what I would call a monopoly uh, situation. There's, there's one primary telecom or one primary cable company and little or no competition for that uh, incumbent. And then another 41% say that uh, they're in a duopoly uh, situation. There's one strong cable company, there's one strong telco, and there's not really a strong competitor for either or both of them. And um, and I think this has pretty much been, um, you know, I, I, you and I probably go to the same, you know, conferences, you know, besides your own, of course, and um, and, and, and it seems to be consistent with what a lot of folks are saying. Uh, yes, I think that that's true. I mean, it's it's hard to say if these, uh, you know, if these numbers are very precise mm-hmm. in terms of a, you know, geographic or or population, um, you know, representing the the entire country. But but they're certainly intuitively plausible. Right. And there there are some areas that have, um, that have more than two. Um, Viable, let's say, viable broadband providers. But, uh, for example, in some metropolitan areas, there are <clears throat> there is a private cable 
in addition to telephone and um, and cable. Uh, in some areas, there are cable overbuilders. You know, over overbuilding mm-hmm. the the what's called the incumbent cable operator and so forth. But um, but those are usually very highly a- attractive neighborhoods. In, right, right. For the most part. Um, now, what is encouraging, though, is that we have at least what was about 14, 14.5% of the respondents saying that their community networks actually provide uh, a significant amount of competition that has indeed affected price and quality of service. And I'm guessing, you know, knowing who reads your magazines, that would probably include places such as Lafayette and Chattanooga and so forth, where clearly their networks, you know, have been documented to have a significant uh, impact on both the pricing uh, of available services and also having an economic development uh, impact in a number of, of areas. Yes, that that is true of I think nearly all the municipal um, the municipal broadband uh, providers that I've spoken with they all say and, and if you ask them about the the effect on economic development nearly all nearly the first thing that all of them will say is we've driven down prices and so we've saved everybody in the community a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And that itself is, um, you know, is a boost to the to the local economy. Mm-hmm. So now the and then that kind of leads us to the next uh, question or not second well yeah the next survey question which had to do with um, who's planning to build uh, networks in um, you know in their community whether it's a the, the the utility will own it, the community will own it outright, you know, public-private partnerships. There are a variety of uh, options. And, in fact, my new book that's out, uh, Building the Gigabit City, breaks down about nine different possibilities, permutations of a business model that communities might follow. And we seem to be moving down that path. Now, we just had this uh, you know, the Broadband Summit in Dallas, so I guess uh, about three weeks or, or so ago. What was your take from the feeling there about the interest uh, of, of communities to build networks? Are, are we seeing a, a big surge from, say, last year to this year? Uh, I think we're definitely seeing a big surge in, in terms of, of interest and planning. Uh, I've just finished putting together our annual municipal fiber census, and the the actual number of, um, of of fiber networks has has increased, but not enormously. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think it went from 125 to 137 or thereabouts. Um, but what we are seeing is a lot of communities much further along in the planning stages and much more seriously planning than we had seen in several years. So I think we're going to see a, a, a bigger jump. Next year, mm-hmm. um, you know, I my my feeling from the uh, broadband community summit was that there was a a lot more sort of concrete um, action going on, and and um, rather than people thinking, oh, this is something we'd like to do someday in the future, they're thinking, how can I do this now? What do I, you know? What's the next step I can take? Mm-hmm. And so, so we're seeing a, and, and also just tracking this in the um in the national press and so forth you see a lot more reports in in local papers and so forth about communities conducting feasibility studies and the sorts of preliminary steps that you have to take in order to start um in order to start a municipal broadband network um you know conducting a a feasibility study surveying um Surveying residents to see if they're interested, uh, having preliminary um, site planning and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so there's a, we see a lot of that kind of activity going on, much more than a year or two ago. And the other interesting thing is, to me, is that we're seeing more large cities taking actions of one kind or another, um, even if it's just uh, small pilot programs or in, encouraging. Uh, or en- entering into partnerships with private companies, or encouraging private companies to to um, 
improve the broadband. And traditionally, municipal broadband had been kind of small cities, cities that were large enough to actually undertake a project, but but not so large that they'd been um, overlooked by mm-hmm. by providers. And you know, and now we're seeing cities like Seattle and Chicago and even New York City taking some kind of action to you know proactively improve their broadband offering. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think this trend among larger cities will continue? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not that, as, as uh, Jim Farmer always says, uh, my my crystal ball went out for repairs. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, I do think that a, a lot will depend on the success of the of the few who are actually. Um, taking steps now, and also the success of of the Google Fiber cities that are starting up, so that when people see that this kind of um, work can be done on a on a large scale, and that it makes a difference in a community, um, you know, if if those projects succeed, then I suspect there will be a lot more waiting in line to, mm-hmm. to try it themselves. Hmm, interesting. Now the the survey shows about uh I think about 25% of um respondents are going to or planning to start networks in say 6 to to 18 months. And then there's a certain amount of I guess fence setting of folks saying, well, you know, depending on how the economy uh, you know, breaks over the la- over the next year uh will be a factor. And then there's just some folks who just don't know which way they're um they're going and so i think it'll be interesting to watch uh i'd say particularly the next 6 months mainly to see i think what we'll see is the impact of all of these google announcements because my feeling is that say 6 months ago before when google was only in kansas city you know there was a certain amount of buzz and interest and so forth but in just the two or three i don't know months uh, most recent months We've seen four, five, I think, uh, communities added, I mean, including a number of areas around Kansas City. And I think that um, as those kinds of things happen, we're likely to see, you know, that, you know, what you're talking about, that interest solidify people moving further along, uh, bigger cities getting involved and, and so forth. So I think the Google effect is going to be, uh, is, is going to be quite noticeable on this whole issue. I agree. Um, there had been a lot of skepticism of, uh, you know, is Google doing this as a publicity stunt? Is Google doing this for nefarious reasons of their own? Is Google doing this <laughs> as a loss leader? Or, um, I mean, every every imaginable possibility has been raised in the press. And um, I, I think now people are beginning to believe that no, Google Google thinks that this may actually be a business, and obviously it's a business that's good for them, and you know, in in many ways, just because they're Google, but but it's also a business that they expect to stand on um, on its own two feet, and and that they expect to be bringing it to a a, a number, probably a small number, but but mm-hmm. uh, probably more than three, also of of cities. Right, right, right. That I think makes a lot of sense, and then the you know the survey does get into uh, an interesting question, which is um, how many of the respondents have a uh, plan, an economic development plan, uh, or are writing a plan now that incorporates broadband tactics. And I think it was about two, three years ago that I started asking this question of economic development professionals, and I. Yeah, I'm going off the top of my head. I think it was maybe somewhere between 25 and 30 percent were saying, "Yep, we we have this. You know, we're incorporating this in our plan." This last survey of your readers shows that um, 47 percent either have a plan that has broadband incorporated into it, or they're writing such a plan now. Uh, what do you attribute to to that? A, a greater uh, a greater awareness, a greater track record of economic development success that, that's making people believers? What, what do you think the drivers are? I, I, I do think it's 
um, on the one hand, more awareness, um, and I like to think that, that broadband communities is helping to spread that awareness, uh, and also the fact that I think economic development people and municipal officials are hearing from constituents, oh, no, we, you know, we lost this um, we lost this factory, we lost this warehouse, we can't get these people to stay because we don't have enough uh, broadband to offer or because we, did, we have it and we didn't tell them about it. Um, isn't there anything we can do? So I, I, think, that, you know, I think that those political pressures are starting to, to percolate, uh, percolate up and are, are being reflected in the planning process. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the local politics... Um, you know, it is kind of interesting. I'm working on a project in uh, Ottumwa, which is a small town, 25,000 people in Iowa. And uh, we did a survey as part of the needs assessment process, right? So it was a survey to the general community. And it was before there was a lot of publicity about the the assessment and about broadband so clearly we weren't, you know, the, the general population wasn't aware of the economic development aspect of it. But a lot of the open-ended comments at the end of the survey, uh, there were a lot of very specific comments about this will be good for the economic development of uh, Atumwa. So it seems like there was a correlation, or in people's mind, there's a correlation between better broadband and economic development, uh, even in small towns, or maybe particularly in small towns, uh, do you think that's the norm that there are more people than you than than folks might assume that actually are following broadband at least peripherally or know enough about broadband peripherally to to draw the you know to connect the dots between you know this technology and economic outcomes? Yes, because I think people experience it in in their own work life when they mm-hmm. don't have adequate broadband and and they find that it it takes them. An hour to do what, oh, you know, upload a file that ought to take five minutes, or um, that they simply can't do some perform some functions at all, or they have to go sit in the parking lot of the McDonald's or whatever. <laughs> um, then it becomes it becomes very real and very personal. Mm-hmm. Now. Um do you sense any particular, I don't know, type of constituent or type of industry that is driving the awareness, or is it a pretty generic across the board? Everybody kind of gets it. You know, I think it's. I, I think at this point, it's pretty much across the board. I think there's very little left that um, that isn't impacted by broadband. Now, I mean. They will be to greater and lesser degrees. I mean, there are, if you're a, in engineering, you're, you have to send massive files around, or if you're in radiology, for example. But, um, you know, even uh, even as, as you pointed out, home-based businesses uh, have to be able to buy and sell and communicate and um Farmers are doing precision agriculture that depends on uh, very real-time communication with um, to to figure out where where they should be watering and where they should be fertilizing and so forth. Um, so there, there's really almost nothing left uh, in, in in the economy that does not depend on broadband. Mm-hmm. Now. Um I think we'll, we'll we'll shift a little bit here and talk about um, some very specific uh, outcomes uh, in, in terms of how uh, broadband is is having an impact on this. Uh, in um, in in most of my surveys over the years, I have tried to isolate I don't know um, six six or seven very specific economic outcomes based in large part about what you read about in the media, with the theory being that this is the assumption or sort of the starting point. People expect broadband to you know, bring more convention business to town, or they expect it to convince more young people who've graduated to come you know, back home after, uh, after college is over. And so I try to look at you know, common success stories 
combine with common media headlines and see what folks really, really think. And um, so this year, this year, this particular survey looked at six areas, six specific outcomes, uh, bringing new businesses to town, revising uh, depressed communities, um, meaning mostly residential, like uh, low-income residential areas, um, improving individuals' income earning potential, uh, reviving depressed business districts specifically, um, uh, getting local companies, meaning existing companies within the town, making them more profitable, and increasing uh, home-based businesses. And the home-based businesses is actually a recent addition because I sort of realized one day people don't talk a lot about home-based businesses, but maybe they should be talking about that. And so looking at the uh, survey numbers, the two most um, the two specific economic outcomes that got the most amount of support, meaning people, survey respondents saying uh, these will be definitely impacted by broadband, um, getting new businesses to move to town was top of the list. You know, 60% of folks said, you know, there's a definite impact on that. Uh, and I should say this is for wired. Uh, we did ask the question, you know, uh, what people thought about wireless impact on these, these six areas. But this, right now, we're talking specifically fiber. So 60% are saying, yep, you know, getting broadband in is going to have a definite impact on getting new businesses to town. But the second most popular one is actually increasing home-based businesses and that fiber will have a direct impact on this. And what's interesting to me is that in, in years past, um, attracting new businesses to town has always been considered a big driver. Um, but then local making local businesses more profitable has been considered the second most valuable outcome that you can expect from uh, from from broadband. So, what does this tell you? This you know you know looking at who the top two you know vote getters are, if you will, if we were to, to, to look at this sort of as a uh, you know American Idol moment. Uh, why is that? How how come we have these two? Well. Uh... It's not surprising that new businesses moving to an area should be uh, should, should be getting the most votes as the impact of fiber <laughs> networks because um, they're because they're the most visible um, and they uh, you know they uh, the arrival of a new distribution center in town that employs four thousand people or something gets you know gets a lot of attention um, and and sticks in people's minds. And uh, the people that in your survey may have been involved in bringing them there and, and convincing them to move there, and they tell you why they're why they're moving or or not moving. And you know, if if they needed fiber and you could supply it, that's that's very clear. Um, the other things are less clear, but again, uh, increase in home-based businesses. Um, that's again something. It's much smaller scale, but it's something that uh, almost everybody now knows. Somebody who's managed to start a home-based business because they had adequate broadband to do so. Mm-hmm. And um, my my colleague Steve Ross uh, talks about driving through Vermont, where actually there where there there is not much fiber yet, but there is. Broadband and there is um, there are home-based businesses and and seeing on these little country roads um, all of these uh, people making artisanal cheese or maple syrup or uh, handicrafts or this or that and they've all got their little um, uh, signposts up with with their URLs on them. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know I think that this is something that everybody is. A lot of people are doing who have the opportunity to do, and uh, you know, in the last several years, with the since the last recession, there was an increase in in uh, people basically fending for themselves and um, starting their own businesses in mm-hmm. the absence of of uh, being able to get uh, regular employment and. Um, Again, most of these were in some way broadband dependent mm-hmm. in areas with better broadband 
people have been more successful at, at doing this. Now, the things on your list that got fewer votes, um, reviving depressed communities and, and for example, and uh, reviving depressed business districts, um, I mean, there are there are areas that that have more problems that can't be dealt with. Where where broadband, let's say, is only one of many problems that they have. Uh, we we published recently uh, part of a study on um, on the Appalachian region and a, a number of counties over, I think, an eight state area and. Um, these were uh, places that had been depressed for decades and, and had huge numbers of social and economic problems. And even the, the, the few pockets of uh, uh, the few counties that had managed to uh, improve their broadband situation, it, it still was not quite enough um, that their, their problems were, in fact, so overwhelming that that many things have to come together to help. So I, I think it, it's fair to say that, um, you know, fiber, even fiber networks are not the most important thing in, in, in an area which has multiple and persistent problems. Right, right. Um, and it could okay, be that so the uh, There are a couple of other things. The uh, local companies being more becoming more profitable and competitive, um, that... That's sort of a, a middle rank among your uh, your, your voters, mm -hmm. and there we see. Oh, I'm, I'm getting an echo here. Are you hearing that? Not me. Okay, good. I hope I hope our listeners are not hearing it. Um, it sounds fine. Okay, good. Uh, companies becoming more profitable and competitive that often takes a certain amount of work on the part of the municipality or or the network owner um, it isn't always clear to the local businesses how they can take advantage of um, you know of their improved network capabilities and they don't often think of immediately of doing things and they think of maybe uh, getting a faster response on the internet but they don't necessarily think of of different ways they could operate or different things they could do until it's shown to them. And now, for example, the the uh, North Georgia network is um, helping local businesses t take advantage of uh, the network that it's it's been putting in under a BTOP program um, by, for example, um, telling people that they can businesses that they they can replace. PBXs with voice over IP systems and save hundreds or thousands of dollars a month, and that you know that was a new idea to mm -hmm. um, to many people. So now, there, I that I think um, it, it takes time and it takes proactive outreach to make that happen. It doesn't just happen by itself. Mm -hmm. um, and finally, individual income, individual income earnings. Um, I think really do go up, but that is not always very visible to um, to let's say the survey respondents. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I, but I'm re reminded of a, a interview I did recently with a um, marketing manager in um, a, a small rural phone company uh, who was running a broadband adoption program and. Um, felt that it, when they started it felt that well if one person um, got a better job or got a degree or something like that because they learned to use broadband um, he would feel that the program had been a success and a few months later he got this wonderful letter from a um, customer who who had been out on disability for a number of years and hadn't been able to um, do the work that he was originally trained to do, mm -hmm. and was completing a, 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 you know, had had learned from these broadband adoption courses how to use um, 
Dragon Naturally Speaking, the voice uh, recognition programs, because he was actually una unable to type uh, because of physical disability, and, and was in in the community college and working toward a degree, and you know, in sort of in line to get a, a, a high-paying job. And I mean, this is the sort of success story that if someone takes the time to to write to the service provider or the mayor or whoever about you know about, but I think there are lots of cases that don't rise to that level of attention. Mm -hmm. Now, I think there are two points probably that should, should be brought out, um, you know, about the, the the survey results. Number one, uh, there is a fair number of folks who say that it's too soon to tell. So for all of those sort of mid-range, you know, results, um, you know, the reviving the press business communities and, and general communities and helping individuals and so forth. Uh, it's pretty consistent 30% of folks saying, hey, you know, it, it's just too early to tell, which speaks to your issue, you know, your comments about it's a very complex issue and there's a lot of variations and variables that will really impact how you can revive uh, a depressed community. So, so the, the the time that it takes is that's definitely there, but there is also, um, and this is reflected in, in some of the questions down the line in the survey, uh, the need for programs to help people once they get on board to understand how to use broadband effectively, and 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 the question might come up, is that something that the local government should worry about? In other words, should they just basically say, you know, we're getting this network, our public utility is building it, uh, we're, we're happy, we're, you know, we're going to have the best, you know, infrastructure and on and on, but we're not going to really worry about the programs that support it because, number one, that's more money and there's no direct, you know, payback to the city. Number one, how do you see? How do you think cities will unfold on this air? This question of, um, you know, will they provide additional programs and support for the broadband initiative, uh, and should they provide additional services and programs and support? I think they should and they will. Uh, we have to, at the risk of scooping myself, we have a very interesting article uh, coming out in the next issue of Broadband Communities uh, by a program officer at the National League of Cities who gives a number of great examples of this. And, and she makes the point that cities are increasingly providing essential services over broadband. Mm -hmm. It's the only way they can afford to do it. And in order for that to happen, in order for them to deliver services effectively over broadband, people have to have it and people have to be able to use it. Mm hmm and so, so there that, is that recognition. Excuse me. There is that recognition that you you have to do more than just build the infrastructure. Yes, I think so. Um, because if you're trying to get people to fill out forms on the internet, let's say, um, or communicate with uh, with city employees via the internet, you have to. Uh, people have to be able to do it. And they have to be, they have to have access to it, and they have to understand how to do it. And so it then becomes, in the, in the local government's interest, um, to make this happen because it it saves them a lot of money in service delivery. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so that, that that definitely makes sense. And I think that within economic development circles, there also seems to be uh, this understanding that programs. Have to, have to accompany infrastructure. Um, I think in Seattle, in fact, was a good case. Before they made their announcement about their gigabit initiative, there was about a year ago an initiative to bring broadband, faster broadband, to a very specific uh, retail market area of the city. And so they got all of these businesses uh, online, got them all connected, and what they discovered that they hadn't anticipated was that a lot of those businesses have been run by folks in their 50s and 60s who have been running their businesses for years without computers, I mean, of, of any kind of technology. And so all of a sudden you thrust them onto the Internet, and they had no clue as to how to use the Internet 
um, effectively to somehow impact their business. And then there was a scramble to try to figure out how to create programs to take, you know, folks who they've now already put online and say, oh, wait, 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 you got you to learn this little stuff over here, and then you can get, you know, this benefit from, from broadband. Um, so anyway, to me, that's been one of the examples of, you know, why cities need to think this through maybe to another level uh, before they roll that system out or as they're rolling out the, the, the physical infrastructure. I think the yes, that's I mean that's true. The the outreach to small businesses is is as as important as the outreach to consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also point out that the federal government has has also in in the last few years recognized the importance of this. Also, in both the NTIA, um, in as uh, in the broadband stimulus program. Um, reserved a, a certain amount of money for adoption programs and has now put out a, a toolkit with best practices based on that, uh, the results of that program. And currently the FCC uh, is uh, doing a series of pilot uh, projects to, um, uh, to, to reform the Lifeline program, which is a oh, right. low-income uh had been telephone-based program, and they want to now make it broadband-based, and they're trying to figure out what works there. So that also is a combination of um, broadband discounts and equipment and training and, you know, outreach to communities of this is how you, this is how you use broadband and this is, what it, this is how it can make your life better. Mm-hmm. Can you see the possibility of communities creating a – uh, like a proactive campaign to use or, or to have home-based businesses use broadband to almost become an economic force in and of themselves? Uh, not clear what you're what you're asking here. Well, you know, you like in some communities they don't track their businesses or they don't track home-based businesses, right? They, they kind of exist and folks know that they're there and life goes on. But I'm thinking, for example, uh, such as in Pulaski, uh, Tennessee, they have some programs to proactively identify entrepreneurs of all sorts, but particularly people who work from home, Give them basic training in accounting and marketing, you know, electronic commerce 101. Uh, in other words, they have said, you know, we've got the network, which is going to make it possible for our home-based businesses, which are a large part of our community, to be more productive, to be more effective, and be more profitable. So what we, I mean, the Economic Development Agency, is going to do is create a series of programs that basically identifies and in some respects turns that home-based business into a defined element that they're going to, you know, nurture and expand and make into a, an economic force within the community. So I'm just wondering, will other communities do some similar kind of, you know what, we haven't been paying attention to home-based businesses, but we really need to be more proactive in actually turning that segment of our community into an economic force. Well, there there always has been um, there always has been some uh, there. How to say this? There there always have been programs of that kind. Uh, Small business administration funds programs like that, and a lot of city governments do. And there are you know core of retired executives who train startup businesses and and things like that. So I think that's I think that's always been seen as a function of local government. Um I I I think that with you know with with broadband and with the the necessity of um learning broadband skills that that will probably be incorporated into those programs more than it has been in the past. Mm-hmm. So um, 
Let's look at two other outcomes that were actually one was one was taken care of in a separate question, which is this the issue of telemedicine, delivering or improving the delivery of healthcare services through telemedicine technology. Um, you know, being able to monitor people's conditions at from home, being able to have video conferences with your doctor without actually having to go you know, physically take time off of work and drive to see your, your doctor, and a whole slew of things that could be a show unto itself, actually. Um, but looking at the, the economic uh, impact of such a program, this was, I think, probably one of the first questions. I know it's my first time asking the question, does telemedicine impact economic development? And should it be, you know, viewed as, you know, as as such or or what? So I'm wondering what your your take is on that. Uh, very much, yes. And I think this is um, telemedicine is something that's poised to take off, and uh, something we need to educate people about more. And actually, something broadband communities will be. We we've always covered it to some extent, but more is kind of an interesting futuristic thing. Um, now, you know, beginning this year, we're, we're covering it more as, like, uh, this is something that's, that's really happening and really important. And I can tell you some stories about how it, how it works or, or doesn't work. Um, several years ago, we, we did a story on Cook County, Minnesota, uh, which is a very remote, beautiful northern area, um, where people had been living very happily for many years, and it was rapidly, you know, because of the fact that everybody else had broadband and they didn't, was rapidly becoming sort of uninhabitable. They now uh, are working on a, a building of the, the local rural electric co-op is, is now with a broadband stimulus grant is, is actually building a fiber to the home network there, but before that happened, um, one of the things that was making it more and more problematic for people to live there was that um, essential services, including medical services, were being shut down, and people had to travel hours or hundreds of miles, which is difficult when you are sick or when you're elderly. so it just became it was becoming a basically a dangerous place to live because there was there was inadequate medical care with with telemedicine you can operate a, a rural clinic and still have access to support from specialists and so forth in, in the larger city so i so i think that's going to play a very important role in um keeping some of these rural areas viable um, the the other thing is uh we had uh, at one of our um, conferences, we had a very interesting uh, presentation by a, a guy named Keith Montgomery, who, is a, who runs an office of a consulting company um, in a community with, uh, I think, Martinsville, Virginia, with very good broadband. And mm-hmm. he was saying that, um, you know, not only did did he need to locate his office in a place with good broadband, but it was the only way that he could hire the people that he needed because it's one thing to hire the um, the person you're trying to hire and then their spouse comes and looks at the town and says, oh, do I really want to live here? <laughs> and one thing that, that, that they're looking for is, you know, is access to medical care um, you know, access to education, access to all all kinds of services, and all of these are um, now much more dependent on broadband and, and on the ability to communicate between um, among healthcare providers, between healthcare providers and and patients, and so forth. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I think telemedicine both. Um, you know, prevents um, isolated areas from from being basically uninhabitable and becoming ghost towns, and mm-hmm. and and it helps um, you know places with with good broadband attract the kind of um, of workers that are needed to make it a, a vibrant community. Mm-hmm. 
Let's shift. We got about we've got about ten minutes, so let's shift for a second and let's talk about um, speed. Um, you know, we talked about competition at the top of the show and the fact that having competition affects uh, price and it affects availability and quality of service. But what about the impact of speed? Folks may ask, and you know, especially with all the emphasis on you know, gigabit cities and Google gigabit and gigabit fiber and, and on and on and on. Did the numbers actually come as a surprise to you where we basically broke down um, six categories of speed, starting with two to four megabits per second, which is basically the broadband plan, the national broadband plans definition of broadband, all the way up to a gigabit? And and we asked folks to say, you know, given those speeds, what do you think is the minimum needed by, I think, 20, uh, 2015 in order to have uh, an impact on those six economic development outcomes? So looking over those numbers, were there any surprises in your mind? Um, no. On the other hand, I'm, I'm not sure they're terribly meaningful. Okay. Um, there is a... There's a difference clearly between large and small businesses. I mean, the speed that, and, and of course, in the type of business too. I mean, for for an ordinary one-person business, at at this point, maybe not in five years, but in this point, at this point, you don't mm-hmm. need a gigabit mm-hmm. per second. If if you're trying to attract new businesses to your area. It, what it takes depends very much on how how large the facility is and uh, what type of work they do. So, um, so the answers that you get may reflect more the the type of the the type of community and the type of of um, business or business facility that they're trying to attract. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things, though, I think that's, I don't know, I, I've looked at this for a couple of cycles of, of surveying, and um, it seems that the more popular speeds actually are between 20 megabits a second and 120. And, in fact, if you were to look at the numbers, it tends to be, you know, almost an even number of folks go for, you know, the 20 to... 25 megabits as the 100 to 120 megabits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my assumption has been, and you know, I get your feedback on this, my assumption has been uh, that in, in rural communities in particular, um, where there's a lower concentration of subscribers, that a lower density maybe might be the better way to describe it, that you don't need the same speed. If you look at it sort of in the aggregate, you know, if I've got 20,000 people, maybe a network that delivers 100 megs symmetrical is what I need. It may need, you know, it may carry me for the next couple of years. But that it's a population density factor when you look at sort of the aggregate of, you know, how many people are using, you know, the network. Does that seem like a, a fair assessment or are there other dynamics you think are in play here? Um, my guess, although I'm not, I'm not sure there's any great way to tell, but my guess is that it has less to do with population density than with than with the size of the facility. And, okay. and those two things are probably related to each other. But uh, you know, but if if you're supporting 200 workers all using a computer, all using the internet, you're going to need a, a bigger pipe than right. if you're if you than if you have five people, let's say. So. Um, so, and if you're, um, you know, if you have, uh, if you have a data center with, where you're moving huge volumes of data in and out all the time, you're going to need a bigger pipe than if, you know, if, if you're running a probably a retail store or something. Mm-hmm. So I think it has more to do with the size and type of business in the in the location. Okay. Um, than anything else. Now, uh, a, a number of um, business providers that I've spoken with have identified 40 to 50 meg as kind of a sweet spot for a, you know, a, let's say an ordinary uh, small to medium-sized business. Mm-hmm. So, in, in that sense, 
um, your, the survey makes sense. Another thing, actually, that, that makes sense to me here in the um, in these findings is that the um, people say typically that, that higher speeds are necessary to attract new businesses to an area than to meet other economic development goals, like helping local companies grow. Mm -hmm. And that makes a lot of sense to me because somebody who's moving to an area, a business that is moving to an area, wants to make sure that it's going to have um, enough um, enough broadband to meet its future needs. That it's not right. going to, in other words, it's, it's going to expend a lot of time and effort and, and money moving to a new place, and, and it doesn't want to do that again in five years. Right. Whereas if I'm right. already there, I might be... Um, doing okay with what I have, and and I can continue to grow and so forth. But even if what I have, even if the broadband available is not enough, not good enough to induce me to move there if I weren't there in the first place. Ah, uh, yes, right, right, right. And as a matter of sort of an issue of keeping folks there. Um, and I, I agree with the long-term issue. You know, I've uh, I've talked to a number of real estate folks. And have been reading articles where they act, you know, where the where, where folks have talked to real estate people, and they're saying that the um, the presence of broadband or the planned presence of broadband is becoming a, an increasingly important topic, and that it may not necessarily get people to say, well, yes, I'm going to go there just because of the broadband. But it is an elimination factor. It's sort of like if 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 you say that the town or even the house doesn't have access to good broadband, people just pretty much move on. So that's absolutely true. We hear that again and again. Okay, so we're kind of at that point now where folks need to really take into account the real estate aspect of their community and and what broadband means to that. You know, the ability to sell homes and business absolutely. space. Absolutely. Yes. Hmm. Do you see now? You know, you guys were you know before community broadbands. You guys were broadband properties. Um, do you think uh, there is a going to be an increase of the interest of multi development units in in broadband, having broadband built in when the buildings are being built, or is that already leading the pack? I mean, is is it pretty much a lot of the MDUs are already you know in the broadband space now? We only got about two minutes. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I think it's it's very much uh, part of every construction plan, and I think um, property developers have, have at this point have are all aware that they need to start broadband planning, you know, at the same time that they start construction planning, mm -hmm. and that that it's much cheaper to uh, you know to design it into the building than to build the building and then and then wire it. Mm -hmm. What about building of residential units? As in, you know, I saw an article today in, in Longmont, Colorado. They're, they're talking about bringing out their network, and they're discussing, you know, are there ways for individuals buying property to facilitate the build-out of broadband to their homes? But I'm thinking, well, what about, you know, as they're building houses, wouldn't it make sense to start building that, conduit there as well as you're building it to multi-dwelling. Um, yes, well, even before the housing crash, it, um, most large planned communities were, uh, for the last several years before the before planned communities stopped being built, were being designed with, with broadband and, and in the larger ones, almost always with fiber to the home. Interesting, interesting. Well, we yeah, are... From from maybe 2004 or five, mm -hmm. and, and once that... Uh, I mean, right, right now there is some building going on in these communities that had been started before the housing crash, but I think once the... Uh, you know, once planned communities again begin to be planned and, and built, um, I, I think they will virtually all be um, fiber connected. Mm -hmm. And with that, we're going to pretty much have to wrap. Marsha, thank you very, very much for uh, for being on the show today and helping, 
you know, talk about the report. The physical, actual written report, uh, people should check with my blog, uh, Fighting the Next Good Fight, and it will be available for download from there. So, Masha and our, our audience, have a great day. Thank you very much for being with us, and we will talk to you again soon. Thank you, Craig. It was fun. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye.